I'm a booger. I'm a booger booger. I'm a booger. I'm a booger 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 booger. Thank you for downloading this episode of I'm a Booker Booker, a novel podcast about books and the people who write them. An invisible enemy has turned our lives upside down. We now live in a world where a roll of toilet paper is more sought after than a first edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Where Karen from the internet is an instant epidemiologist and has a meme to prove it. Where smoking dacha is legal and going to work will land you a prison sentence. We travel into the heart of the lockdown to bring you Amabuka Booker, the Quarantine Chronicles. Author's lockdown. T minus 15. Just hold on a, a bit. Uh, I, I need to tell my kids that I'm, I'm recording now. Okay. So they must keep the noise up to a minimum. Yeah. Just hold on, please. Sure, sure. All right, I'm all yours now. Perfect, okay. Fred Kumalo, yeah. according to one of his publishers, has been described as a reluctant Zulu, clever black, and an equal opportunity offender. But for Amabuka Buka, he is one of South Africa's leading storytellers who blends history and fiction into fast-paced, thrilling novels. He's written 11 books. His first, Bitches Brew, turned 15 this year. It's been re- reprinted eight times, and one fan even tattooed the cover on his arm. Some of Fred's other books include Seven Steps to Heaven, his autobiographical Touch My Blood, Zupta's Must Fall, and Other Rants, Dancing the Death Drill, Talk of the Town, and his latest, The Longest March, which tells the tale of 7,000 Zulu miners who walked for 10 days from Johannesburg to Ladysmith on the 7th of October, 1899. Fred took this historical event and added some romance. He then showed that he's not all talk and no walk, and followed in the footsteps of the miners, making the 350-kilometer journey from Johannesburg And when he arrived in Ladysmith 10 days later, he was given an award of appreciation by the town's mayor. He's also a prolific columnist who writes funny, thought-provoking, controversial, but always interesting columns. But whatever you do, don't ask him where he gets his ideas from. Fred, welcome to I'm a Booker Booker. Would you like to read an extract from one of your books? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jonathan, for, for this great opportunity. Yes, I'm going to read from um, my latest, uh, The Longest March. Uh, as you correctly pointed out, it's uh, inspired by an incident that, that took place um, in 1899, just before the outbreak of the South African War, or also known as uh, the Anglo-Boer War. So I'm going to read um, a passage w- which introduces one of my major characters, Kaulengweni. Um, so here we go. When you first meet Kaolengweni, you are inclined to believe everything you would have heard of him. When you see him, you will readily believe that he eats oven-baked bricks for breakfast and washes them down with lead soup. To pick his teeth, only a garden fork will do. When he looks at a woman passing by, that woman is sure to experience five explosive orgasms in less than two minutes. If he stares at her hard enough, she will fall pregnant and deliver triplets three months after conception. His name means the one who shakes hands with a leopard, Kaolengwen. He's a big man, this Kaolengwen. 
six foot two, sledgehammer arms, legs like boulders. In addition to being big, he is endowed with a restless energy. He cannot sit or stand still. He's always pacing up and down or punching the air in front of him or kicking rocks on the ground or cracking his knuckles or grinding his teeth noisily. Constantly on the move, he's a whirlwind. If you stand in his way and you collide with him by accident, you are likely to fall to the ground. He won't even notice what he has done because in addition to being restless, he's also absent-minded. When Ndugu first met Carl Lengweni, he did find him comical. Later, Ndugu discovered that his comical demeanor was a mask for his little side. Some people are created like that, an exaggeration of life as we know it. Ndugu is ambivalent about speaking to Carl Lengweni, not because he's scared of him, but for more complicated reasons, from a past they once shared. So, here we are, says Kaulengweni. Here we are, says Ndugu, averting his gaze. After a while, Kaulengweni speaks in an untypically soft voice. You need me. You know, I do. After what you did to me? A tinge of emotion in that statement. Almost an accusation. Ndugu says in a soft voice, please let sleeping dogs lie. I beg you, my brother. This is bigger than us. There are tears welling in Kaulengweni's eyes. He blinks them away. He starts cracking his knuckles. His agitation is rising. After what you did to me, you think it's going to be easy for me to help you. Set our issues aside for now. And let's deal with this crisis. It's a life and death matter. Ndugu looks his friend straight in his eyes. The giant starts playing with his huge whiskers, twisting them into sharp thorns, into sharp horns. His bright eyes are darting like cockroaches. He scrunches his face, that gorgeous face so incongruous with the rest of his physique. Even with the huge beard framing his visage, his facial features are soft and welcoming. His face is the color of cinnamon with a sprinkling of freckles on his cheeks. His nose is a tiny bud of vulnerability. His lips are thin, almost ready to break into a smile to reveal a set of pearly white teeth. Ndugu remembers his friend telling him that when he was young, his age mate used to tease him about his complexion. You look like a girl, which was true because he bore a striking resemblance to his mother. It was this taunt that taught him to fight like a man, though he looked like a girl, an overgrown girl. Now Ndugu is speaking again. Listen, brother, we are faced with a crisis which you have to deal with. How Lengwen raises his arms in the air and declaims in a soft but powerful voice, I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. And who knows that when his friend starts reciting from the holy book, 
He is either too happy or highly agitated. In short, not in full control of his senses. Kalwengen repeats now in a thunderous voice, my eye wastes away because of grief. Ndugu takes two tentative steps back, just in case the big man decides to punch him. Ndugu says, my brother, calm down. I'm here because I'm counting on you to help. So I shall pause there, Jonathan. Perfect. So that's the introduction to, to this larger-than-life character called the Kaolingwen. Wow. What, what, what made you decide to follow in the footsteps of the miners and do this 350-kilometer journey uh, that took you 10 days as well? Um, what made you decide to do that? No, uh, other than ego, I don't know what else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I love running. Um, I'm physically fit. I, I'm a regular at the gym and all that. So um, I saw an opportunity to test myself, basically. But uh, also it was an aid uh, to, 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 to the publicity efforts uh, for the book. And also bringing the whole story to the um, public domain, because it's one of those stories um, that have been told very, I think, uh, very superficially through the oral tradition. It's hardly been captured in any, uh, at any length in, in, in book form. And it's there a is, of course, one story. book yeah, written, written by... It's a fascinating story, yeah. So I thought, let me bring it to the public domain by... Uh, yeah, by embarking on this much, among other things. I couldn't help thinking that perhaps walking has similar traits to writing. I mean, it's hard and you have to just plod on one step at a time. What did you find more difficult, walking or, or the actual writing of this book? Because the first day you walked something like 50 kilometers in the scorching heat. Oh, yeah. The, the, the first day was the one that almost... Uh, made me uh, throw in the towel because it was uh, it was on the seventh of October in the middle of summer. It was hot, and, and so I did fifty-one kilometers in scorching heat. And um, by the end of the day, I, I was I was considering uh, phoning my wife to say, you know what, baby, <laughs> I was joking. It was all a joke. Now <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> it was it was it was really trying. Um, but at the back of my mind, I was saying, you know what? I've committed myself to it. Let me see it through. And uh, now that you mentioned the comparison between walking and writing, there's a book that I read some time ago by uh, uh, Murakami, the Japanese novelist. Uh, he's a, a professional runner. He's run all the major marathons in the world, uh, the Comrades, the New York Marathon, and so on. He writes this book about well com- ways where he compares the writing process to embarking on a long run a marathon so yeah he uh, says it's a, me- a metaphor the, the other two uh, speak to each other yeah right now you've written 11 books a whole lot of short uh, stories but which book are you most proud of well obviously my latest is still fresh and uh, i'm still very much uh, in love with the characters. In fact, so much in love that I am toying with, um, with the idea of a sequel uh, because I think the story is not over. Um, so I've, I've drafted an outline for, for a sequel, but I'm not at liberty to 
speak as, at length uh, about it, lest I jinx it. <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm very much in love with the characters. <laughs> what is your strategy for not going stir crazy during the, the lockdown? Well, it's well listening to music um, and of course writing. Um, I write every day, as you probably have heard. Um, so it keeps me focused and uh, dis- it distracts me from yes the possibility of being driven crazy by the lockdown. Uh, yes, my my kids who are not used to to sitting still in one place are almost going crazy. But I'm I'm used to sitting here in my office. Uh, almost every day and just staring at my computer or reading. So to me, it's not much of a challenge. If you had to be in lockdown with one of your characters, who would you choose from any one of your books? Certainly, Philippa. Philippa is, she is very complex. And of course, she is this beautiful, beautiful lady, um, originally from Kimberley. Uh, she's of a mixed uh, parentage. The mother is uh, Mutuana and the father is white, stroke colored. So in, he's a colored man who passes for white when it suits him or when he wants to get something done. So Philippa is like that as well. And so from- the complexity of her character appeals to me. She is from your latest book, The Longest March. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So I would love to be locked down with her because she is witty, she is feisty, and uh, and of course she is beautiful. Okay, so going to the other extreme, I, I read that you once had dinner with Steve Hoffmeyer and it didn't go so well. So what would happen if the two of you found yourself <laughs> in isolation together? <laughs> <laughs> No, it didn't. Um, the first 30 minutes were fine. We were laughing. And, I mean, he's Afrikaner, I'm Zulu. So we were talking about our heritage and so on. But it didn't last very long. And it didn't end uh, nicely, obviously, <laughs> especially after a few drinks. And what would it be like to be in a lockdown with him? No, 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 no. That I wouldn't. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't um, <laughs> encourage no, no, I would object to that. I would object to that uh, most vehemently. <laughs> it's, it can't end well. <laughs> and then you'd have a murder mystery on your hands. Oh, no. <laughs> he's a big man. He would murder me. <laughs> if you could take one book, one CD, and one luxury item with you into your lockdown, what would you take? Oh, one CD that I've been playing repeatedly over the past month uh, is um, Miles Davis's uh, Bitches Brew, mainly because um, it turned 50 last month. Yeah, he went into the studio in 1969 and the, the album came out in 1970. Uh, so, yeah, I've been playing that album repeatedly over the past month. And uh, in fact, on Sunday, I was playing it as well. I, I, I never tire of that of that album because every time you listen to it, it, it tells you a new story. Uh, it lends itself to many different uh, interpretations. So I, I would certainly take that album. Um, I don't have any luxury item. I'm not a luxurious person. Um, but when it comes to a book, whew, it would be difficult. It would be a toss-up between, I think, um, The Grapes of Wrath, uh, John Steinberg, or Ben Okri's uh, The Famished Road. 
because those two books speak to the troubled uh, times that we live in now, even though Steinbach wrote that book so many decades ago, it still resonates with uh, the whole process of migration that uh, that uh, our world is faced with at the moment. The xenophobia that, that is there in the story uh, resonates with uh, what is happening in our world today. And uh, of course, Ben Okri's story, um, uh, novel, uh, The Famished Road, it's a very spiritual exploration of, of, the, of the world that we live in today. So those are the two books I might want to take with where I to, to experience a much longer lockdown than we are experiencing now. Right. And now... The sound of it, Rorschach test. Oh, no. <laughs> what is it? Uh... Somebody's launching a, yeah, launching a, ro- a rocket to deal with this COVID. It's, yeah, it's, destro- it's destroying our lives, so we must destroy it back. <laughs> well, get out of bed. It's time to, to start working. Start, it's time to see, uh, uh, place yourself in front of your computer, Fred. Get up out, out of bed. Get working. <laughs> That's my friend uh, Nduduzo Makatini, the pianist. He's, uh, I think, he's uh, composing a new a new song, ex- experimenting with another instrument over and above uh, the piano that he masters so much. So he's uh, he's trying something something new, something else. Well, my kids are trying to teach me to give me a dan- dancing lessons. <laughs> and I can't keep up with even <laughs> I can't even understand the noises that they mistake for for music. You know. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. Are, are your books available? As, oh yes, yes. Because uh, so people can uh, get hold of them during the lockdown as as e-books. Oh yes, they are most definitely all of them. All of them are available as, as e-books. Um, from Loot, from Amazon, yeah, from all over, yeah, they are available. And we're looking forward to reading the sequel to The Longest March. So thanks very much. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you very much for this opportunity.